Welcome to the Two Button Crew Podcast. This is Scott. Glenn, how are you? I am doing all right. How are you, sir? I'm good. I'm happy to be here talking about Metroid on episode 30 of the podcast. That's a nice round number. I think we should give ourselves a quick pat on the back. Is that coming through? Yeah. <laughs> no, this is great. Uh, Two Button Crew obviously used to be a daily show on YouTube. Uh, we've slowed down the output quite a bit, but it's nice to still be able to do 30 podcasts by now. And I'm just it only excited. Took us several years. <laughs> it did, yes. Our, our first one was Breath of the Wild. Um, so hmm. wow. it's taken us like four years to get to 30. Well, when we make a podcast, we don't just poop it out. We don't just talk about the latest news of the week or anything like that. We go deep. Mm-hmm. And this time we're going deep on Metroid Zero Mission. So it's very in vogue right now in the Nintendo fandom to replay some of the original Metroid games in the wait period for Metroid Dread, which is almost done. So this is exciting. Mm-hmm. Uh, Metroid is one of those few Nintendo franchises that you can actually attainably play them all. So I've been working on that. How many have you played? Um, I I would say I've played all of the main series. I think the, I think the only ones I haven't played are Prime Hunters... Uh, Federation Force and Pinball. Okay, so the uh, handheld spinoffs, basically. Yeah, basically. I've played those three. I think the one that I haven't played is the original Metroid 2. Mm. We've talked about the remake on the podcast before, and I've played through Samus Returns, but I haven't played Return of Samus. I don't know if that's necessary. I feel like that one would be a little painful to come back to. Yeah, it's... um. I would say it's better than the original NES Metroid in terms of how easy it is to get into for a modern, uh, you know, someone who's used to the modern Metroid games. But it definitely, um, it definitely does ha- have some of the uh, some of the old school jank. Yeah, speaking of painful to go back to the original Metroid, ugh. I think I reviewed that for Two Button Crew and gave it a 5 out of 10. It's pretty pretty rough with the slowdown frame rate issues and primarily the lack of map. So I was very glad to see that it was remade as Metroid Zero Mission for Game Boy Advance, and boy, is that a better way to experience the first Metroid game. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So if you're trying to do your homework and play some Metroid before Dread, which is Metroid 5, then I think the best way to do it is Metroid Zero Mission on Wii U Virtual Console, uh, Metroid Samus Returns for 3DS. Assuming you want to you stick to official stuff, I, I personally, I liked uh, AM2R, another Metroid 2 remake, uh, a little bit better. Uh, and believe it or not, that's actually that's not only still available, but fans of AM2R have been updating it, so it actually has more content than when it was first released. Oh wow! Okay. Yeah. So that but, that came know, out. If, before. if you want to make sure that Nintendo gets, you know, you render onto Caesar, so to speak. Um, <laughs> yeah, de- definitely uh, Samus Returns. Then for the third entry, you'd play Metroid. 
uh, Super Metroid, excuse me. You can play that on the SNES Classic Edition or Switch Online or Wii U Virtual Console, but there's other more accessible ways to play that one. And that would bring you to Metroid 4, which is called Fusion, and that's also downloadable on Wii U. So Wii U is a really good way to uh, do some Metroid back catalog homework, and that would, could also include downloading Metroid Prime Trilogy. You don't have to wait for Nintendo to bring that to Switch if you don't want to. And uh, some of those that you're missing uh, in your backlog, Glenn, well, I don't know if you'd consider you know, Hunters in your backlog as something you'd actually want to play, but you could buy it on Wii U if you wanted to. I mean, if they were to port it to, like, Switch with um, motion controllers or something, I, I might consider it. But I, I remember playing some demos of it at Target way back in the day. And you have to have, like, three hands to, to enjoy it properly. <laughs> I did just play pinball, and that's a pretty good time. So I'd recommend that one. But... There's no shortage of ways to enjoy Metroid now. It's a great time to be a Metroid fan. And uh, Glenn, how excited are you for Dread? Um, I I am pretty excited. There are some things about it that I'm looking at. I'm like, I'm not sure if I'm going to enjoy that part in particular. So there there is, I think Dread's a bit of a strong word, but there there is a trepidation there. Uh, mm. But um, for the most part, I'm pretty excited for it because it's, it's been forever since we've had a new um, 2D Metroid game. And to not only get a new 2D Metroid game, but the game that occurs chronologically after Metroid Fusion, um, which I've, I've written back in the past about how weird it is that Nintendo um, hasn't followed that up because it's, it's a very interesting place in the story. Yeah, I recall that being one of your biggest wish list items for the longest time so we were both talking about what can we do to kind of celebrate the series get ready for the fifth chronological entry and we thought it would be a good opportunity for us both to play metroid zero mission for the first time so we spent eight bucks a piece downloaded it on the wii u and uh i say let's dive into it so one of the biggest appeals of Metroid is just the gameplay. It's a series that has spawned its whole kind of subgenre that many indies and other companies try to replicate. So there's something just very reliable and uh, comforting about the basics of the gameplay in the Metroid series. So that's uh, some combat, some exploration. What would you say typifies the basics of a Metroid game? Uh, so a Metroid game, well, you know, because of Metroid Prime, it's a little bit tricky, but I'm going to say for a 2D Metroid game, you know, it's a side scroller. Um, and it's, I would say it's notable in that, uh, for the fact that its structure has obstacles. And so, and you have to get around those obstacles with new abilities. And that could just be a ledge that's too high to climb, or it could be like a, a type of wall or something that can only be destroyed with a certain type of weapon. And I think that's really, really the appeal of a Metroid game or a Metroidvania, as they've come to be known, because the Castlevania games back in like the PlayStation 1 period kind of adopted a structure very similar to that. I think that's a major appeal, is walking around, seeing something that doesn't quite make um, 
doesn't doesn't quite like you don't really know how to deal with it it's like okay there's clearly something on the other side of this but i can't get past it and kind of making a mental note of that and coming back to it later once you have the the ability to uh to deal with that yeah most people might refer to that as backtracking but i don't think that word quite encompasses what it's like because you feel very powerful once you return to an area with other stronger upgrades and weapons and are able to access new places and power-ups. And of course, as you're going through the map, you're revealing more locations, you're exploring and getting into new areas that you weren't able to before. I, to me, in the opening minutes, I definitely recognized that it was lifted from the original Metroid. You go left, get the morph ball, but I think pretty soon after that, it was just registering for me as like a whole new experience. But uh, how about you? As you were going through the game, did you recognize the kind of layout? Yeah. So I, I I've played the original Metroid all the way through probably three times. Though it's been years. Let me make that clear. Um, and so a lot of the areas are very familiar. Um, I'm not going to say it's a one-for-one one match because, one, they did expand on the game quite a bit. So there are a lot of new areas, and a lot of the areas have, like, new obstacles and stuff to uh, make use of new um, new power-ups and the like that they've added. But for the most part, it is um, it is very... It's it's still very familiar. Like, it's you, you can still see sort of the thumbprint of the original game on it. And it's like, oh, I'm in this room that has, like, these weird tall um tubes or whatever and now i actually have higher definition graphics so i know what those are supposed to look like or how they behave so a lot of the areas are very very recognizable uh it's it's definitely not a one for one because you know they've also added things like slopes and inclines and like that weren't really i mean you could do them on the the nes but um you typically don't see those until games that are later in the NES life cycle. Like the difference between Mario Bros. 1 and 3. Yeah. And I think a lot of work just went into differentiating some of the environments. Yeah, because the, the original Metroid, one of the uh, chief complaints I have for it is it's very, very repetitive. And this game, each area feels distinct. It feels different. And you can kind of like... It's, it's one of those games, that, and I, I love it when games do this, where you can kind of just look at a screenshot and go, oh, yeah, it's that part of the game. Yep, and you'd have to play with a guide through the original Metroid, or at least I would. I shouldn't speak for everybody, but just because everything looks so similar and because there's no map, uh, even when I'm reading walkthroughs, it's like, okay, go through the orange horizontal tunnel number three because there's like a bunch of other ones that look exactly like it. So I just appreciated it about Zero Mission that they made it much more unique and memorable as you're exploring. So what do you think about the uh, pace of like getting upgrades and progressing through the game? Uh, so, man, this is this is a really good game if you need like a quick dopamine hit, because especially in the early portions, you're just finding stuff left and right. Um, you're finding either like... Um, missile tanks or you're finding new power-ups so I would say like in the first 30 minutes you get like three or four um, new abilities yeah even traversal ones like I think I remember getting a high jump way earlier than I thought I would yeah well actually it's weird I seem to recall getting the high jump earlier in the original game 
but hmm. I may be misremembering it. That that is one thing I've noticed is that the I th I think the sequence is a lot more set in stone than it is in the original game. Right. Um, so you the game does kind of and I have seen sequence breaks. It's not hard, but there is like an, an expected sequence that you're gonna go through. Right. But um. Uh, oh, just one more thing I want to say is also because the controls in this game are a lot better and um, the new abilities that some of the new abilities Samus has, like the ability to grab ledges, um, which is a power up you have to find, unlike in Fusion, uh, which is, I, I thought was kind of weird that they took that away. The, it's just a lot easier to get around in this game. Like in the original Metroid, if you wanted to get from one side of Brenstar to the other or whatever, you know, that would probably take you like five minutes just because of how slow Samus moves and how slippery the controls are and how hard it is to take out enemies. And then, you know, in this game, you know, it's, it's probably going to be like uh, 60 seconds at most. So you can you can run around the map very quickly. Yeah, the progression is really quick. I appreciate that. And I think the whole game might have taken me eight hours it was between five and eight i'm having trouble remembering exactly i think it was like six and a half to seven for me okay it's yeah, a it's, it's not a long game i'd say it's a nice size mm -hmm. um and keep in mind that for me at least that that was getting all of the items okay all of you 100 percented it wow with a guide or on your own uh i used a guide towards the end um, because first of all, the game doesn't tell you how many power bombs there are. There are like, I want to say the maximum number you can hold and you get like two per bomb tank. The maximum number you can hold is 18, which is kind of a counterintuitive number. Yeah. And there, and there's some that I just never would have thought, figured out on my own. Like there's whoever designed this game really, really liked shine sparking because <laughs> like i would say half of the late game um power-ups like or in-game power-ups or however you want to express that um require shine sparking and sometimes it's kind of clever where it's like you have to learn oh i can shine spark while in a morph ball uh but other there's this one where you have to do like this crazy complicated sequence that's just like six shine sparks in a row <laughs> and that i confess i use save states for that that was the only time in the game i used save states and i have zero regret regrets <laughs> well i did not 100 percent, probably not even close i think it was about 60 percent of the items that i got but i enjoy this shine spark i feel like that's kind of a nod to the more hardcore metroid fans uh, that they create those puzzles for us to get. One of my favorites was towards the end where you have to shine spark. No, you have to. Uh, okay, I'm remembering now. Mm -hmm. You you feel like you have to screw attack through this tunnel without going too high or too low, uh, to without triggering the. It's like a laser line or something that mm -hmm. will. Oh prevent yeah, I know you what you're talking about. From getting the E tank. It's like right before one of the last bosses. It's is right before the final boss. And then uh, I was like, "Oh, if I if I shine spark here, it's much much easier." So those are. I, it's hard to pick a different 
favorite power up, but I always enjoyed the screw attack and shine spark because uh, it makes backtracking feel a lot more fast and powerful. Yeah, as for me, I'm not really sh- man. I don't even know what power up would be my favorite. Like the screw attack does feel pretty good, but um, just because you can you can plow through things and it, there are a lot of shortcuts that they put in the game for when you get the screw attack. Oh yeah, lots of little breakable blocks. I don't know. I'm I'm kind of tempted to say the plasma beam. I know that's a boring uh, response, but it's just at that point you don't have to worry about what weapon you're using for ninety percent of the enemies. You just shoot them with the plasma beam and they yeah. die. It is pretty satisfying. Yeah, it's just like, yeah, let's just get this over with. Yeah, so I will say in terms of exploration, in terms of exploration, there is a point at the end of the game. I, I've i seen this with Metroidvania. So there's a point at the end of the game where the game stops being fun. Mm. And it's, it's this point where when you're trying to hunt down everything and you're kind of on those last few and it just gets really tedious and you're running around in circles going, uh, where is it? Um, I will say, you know, it's weird. Like the, the main core loop of Metroidvania's is like really satisfying up to a point. And then like, if you're trying to get everything, it stops being fun. But also I've noticed that there's like this one, once you get enough power-ups, there's kind of this point where you sort of stop the power-ups stop meaning as much. Have, have you had that? Cause I think for oh, me, yeah. it was like when I got the high jump or whatever, it's like, okay, you know, I'm at this kind of comfortable power level where I, I want to get the next thing so I can get that item that I ran past a while ago. I, I am kind of, I, I don't feel like frustrated or limited anymore by my lack of power. And so I feel a little less driven to keep going. For sure. Yeah, I think that's that happens. That's why I usually choose not to 100% it because there's always an excess of missiles. It's very rare for a Metroid player to run out of missiles, especially if they're trying to collect them all. I think... It might be a better balance if a normal playthrough got you like 80% of the power-ups and then the completionist would get the remaining 20. Mm-hmm. And 80-20 rule? <laughs> much, well, yeah, that's a great rule. It's much closer to 50-50 now, I feel like. Mm. So it leaves you just a lot of busy work. Yeah, but um, but yeah, the, the plasma beam does make backtracking a lot easier, as does the screw attack, because you can just... Um, you can just plow through some of the, some of the walls are just like they they were really good about making that so that's like oh you have to go through this very circuitous route the first time, but then, um, on on a repeat you know when you're going back through for power ups there's like a there's a really easy shortcut that you can take. I, yep. I appreciate that. Yeah, they put a lot of thought into that. Okay, so for Zero Mission, they added additional content to the game as well. Like Glenn said earlier, it's not just a one-to-one recreation of the Metroid game on NES, which is nice. So, of course, there's the famous added end sequence. Can't wait to talk about that, but what else is there, Glenn? Uh, Well, there are a lot of... uh, There are new bosses, there are new powers, uh, and there's the aforementioned end sequence. So... um, in terms of well, bosses, the, the first Metroid only had three. There was Ridley, there was Kraid, and there was Mother Brain. Which, you know, it isn't really a lot. No. And I thought Zero Mission had the same three, so I'm interested for you to tell me what I'm forgetting. Well, there's the worm that you get the charge beam from. 
Yes. Uh, there's a, I want to say it's in like um, Craig's hideout. There's a worm boss that you have to fly over, or not fly, but you have to like use the zip line over. Yep. Um, there's the bug that you get the um, the super missiles from. Oh, so basically nameless creatures to kind yeah, of they're, pat, they're not pat names. You know, they're not like the leaders of the space pirates or whatever. But they're, I mean, they're boss monsters. I think they have boss music. What was your experience with the charge beam worm? Because it actually took me multiple encounters to beat that guy. Yeah. Um. So it did take me multiple times to beat it because you need missiles to harm it, and you only have five when you first encounter it. Mm. Um. I will say that. At a target kiosk, uh, I did once beat it on the first encounter. Wow. Yeah. Actually, I think that was the first time I fought it. And then I've never been able to replicate that. <laughs> so beginner's luck, I guess. Man, with save states, you could have like tried extra hard to, to recreate it. So save states have their place. Um, to me, I don't use save states to... like. To get through stuff that I know I can do on my own, I use save states for when the game is just throwing um, throwing malarkey at me. Let's put it that way. I see. Well, I was amazed. Like it probably took me a good four encounters with the worm to beat it, and then I got the charge beam. It really took me. You can fight it four times. Yeah. I did I not it, know that. Like I it, thought it wasn't going to run away on that second time. So. Oh yeah, it goes away if because it probably just assumes you ran out of missiles and are going to be stuck. So, yeah. Um, well, I mean, you and, can. I think you can get more missiles in that fight if you shoot like the projectiles it throws or whatever. That's true. Yep. And I was honestly a little confused. Like, am I able to beat this thing? And then when it finally gave me an actual weapon upgrade, I was really surprised that it was somewhat of an optional encounter for such an important upgrade so that was that was cool yep um i'm kind of sad that because uh, this game takes a lot of cues from metroid prime uh in terms of like the music and stuff i'm a little surprised that they didn't make the charge beam uh like vacuum up power-ups oh yeah i don't know like i used the charge beam a lot when i was younger because the idea of expending any limited resource just uh, seemed like an anathema to me. But, you know, when you're older and you can kind of go, oh, I, I have plenty of these. Um, I did hardly ever use the charge beam except when it was required or when I was, like, using the plasma beam almost exclusively. Right. Yeah. And it's interesting to look at the connections to Metroid Prime because on first glance, a Nintendo fan might just think of this game as older than Metroid Prime because of Prime being 3D and on the GameCube and whatnot. But Fusion and Prime came out at the same time. And then this game actually followed that, correct? Yes. So the developers had all of that Prime experience and inspiration to be able to pull from. Yeah. So we'll come we'll come back to that when we talk about music. But you said there was also power ups added to this version. Yeah. So the charge beam was not in the original game, and th there were some power ups that would seem kind of odd if you didn't play the original game, like the long beam. Um, that was in the original game, and that's why it's in this game. So they kept that, which on one hand I appreciate, and on the other hand I hate the long beam because <laughs> I should be able to shoot across the screen to begin with. <laughs> But you don't go long without it. Uh, excuse me for that. Um, but um, <laughs> but uh, 
Yeah, so they they also include some other some other power ups like the the ledge grab, whatever. I think it's called like the power grip or whatever. They included uh, a bunch at the end of the game. So like uh, at the end of the game, you can get the gravity suit and you can get the um, the plasma beam and stuff like that, which were power bombs, which were all introduced later in the series. They inc also include the speed booster. Am I forgetting anything else? Super missiles weren't in the original. Wow, they did quite a lot. Yeah, they basically brought it up to par with like Super Metroid, with maybe a few extra things. Um, no X-ray visor. That was a power up. That you know, a lot of people talk about the X-ray visor in Super Metroid like it was stupid or you know didn't need to be there. I think the the people who are saying that are like have memorized where all of the power up locations are, <laughs> because until you get the power bombs, it is really useful having that. Yeah. Going, okay, where are the bombable blocks in this room? Well, this is probably another appropriate place for my traditional confession segment on each podcast. Mm -hmm. I just get these games confused very quickly. Uh, and I think it's because so many of the power-ups are equal across games. Yeah, uh, Metroid so actually has um, a little bit of an innovation problem in that it's basically, there's like, ever since the, I would say especially Super, but, you know, ever since the first game, it's basically been the same set of power-ups uh, rehashed. Right. And I think that's a reason that it makes it a little hard for me to take the story very seriously. Just that Samus, Samus, her life kind of feels like Groundhog's Day. Just wakes up on a planet, crash land somehow... All of her powers are taken away by whatever mishap. She gets them all back in a similar sequence in similar ways, fighting many of the same bosses. So it's hard for me to actually uh, suspend my disbelief on the chronology of her life. Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, there are a few games that, that buck that trend. I think Super Metroid, uh, use, not Super Metroid, um... Metroid 2, you do start with um, with the Morph Ball, and I think some missiles as well, uh, and a, a few, like, maybe Morph Ball bombs or something, so you're not starting from, from zero in that game. But yeah, for the most part, but I, I look at that, and, and it's like, well, I don't know if you could really do the series in another way, because if you start with all the power-ups from the previous game, what would be left? I know, you would have to be a different character, or something and they have made attempts with games like metroid other m that you're not that that you're not actually picking things up and finding them you're getting clearance to use them uh, which no fan was happy with <laughs> no like it, it just doesn't make sense when you have to um you have to get clearance to use things that are entirely defensive right or mobility based I mean, unless, like, it... I suppose you could argue that there was just that much friction between Samus and Adam that Adam was like, no, you don't do anything unless I tell you to. But they didn't really establish that. It's like Samus just saying, okay, well, I'm as a token of good faith, I'm going to do this. But she doesn't even say that to Adam at any point, I don't think, or at least not on screen. So, right. I mean, I probably should save this if we ever do another M. Uh, podcast, but I I don't consider that game canon. Oh boy, okay. 
Um, and it's not for the reasons you think. It's not because of the, the PTSD moments or just the Samus Adam thing. Well, maybe we'll talk about that someday when it's re-released. Maybe. Or maybe it will stay in a dark box in a dark cell alongside the Virtual Boy and Nintendo will never mention it again. I, I Like I said, I, I hope they never mention it again in that sense. <laughs> you know, okay, so I... I do. I did like the gameplay. Um, yeah, there there were some stupid decisions in that, but um, I, I digress. We're we're here to talk about a, a game everybody likes. True. One one last f- closing thought on Metroid Other M. I think we do need to give Nintendo credit for how much effort they put into it cinematically, mm-hmm. and maybe th- there were missteps with the story. But come on, they gave us a whole like voice acting, fully animated sequences, and a movie mode where you can just watch it as one story. So I think that effort should be celebrated and uh, they should treat story in their other games as importantly in, in the future. Okay, thanks for joining me down the rabbit hole. We'll go back to talking about the new content in Zero Mission and shall we get into that end sequence? Yeah, so um, this is the part that I think most people remember the game for. Um, I, I'm going to let you start on this one. What What were your thoughts on it? And I guess we should explain what it is first. So you you defeat Mother Brain, you escape, and then uh, Samus is shot down by a, a pirate blockade. And for some reason, she doesn't have her suit. I never really understood where it went. Right. I think she lost all her power-ups as usual, but even more, she lost her suit. It was that bad of a crash. We'll just go with that. I was really excited to experience this because in the marketing leading up to Metroid Dread, which has been substantial, thankfully Nintendo is really getting behind it. They're putting out all these Metroid Dread reports. One of them says that they were trying to create a whole game that felt a lot like the ending sequence in Zero Mission. So what we play in Dread will be directly inspired by this which is cool and i think what they're really going for is the feeling of powerlessness because you're in your zero suit and all you have is a paralyzing phaser gun that doesn't actually damage opponents and you're up against space pirates which are some of the most dangerous enemies in the game one hit does 99 damage right a whole energy tank yeah it does a whole energy tank which i think technically is 100 damage yeah yeah, you're right. Yeah, without an energy tank, it's weird because Metroid doesn't give you a full 100. If you have no energy tanks, it gives you 99. And then each uh-huh. energy tank you get increases it by 100. So that you're you're always you're you're always one away from having an even number when you're on full health. Yes. So you have to creep through all these uh, kind of labyrinths of the, in the spaceship and try to get back to your power suit and uh i i feel like that's really going to be the sense you get when you're in a room with emmy robots in metroid dread yeah so you know the thing here is i expected a lot more stealth because i'm not really sure what they were trying to accomplish with this because there are times where it's very beneficial to be stealthy and then there are times where they're just like oh by the way you can't sneak past this yeah, you get spotted and you have to run for it. 
Yeah, but it's not even that you get spotted. It's like it, the game forces you in a situation where you fall onto a laser tripwire or something. Right. So it, it's one of those things where you're not even really sure, it, like, as you're going through, it's like, is this part avoidable? Like, was I able to sneak past them and I, I'm now being chased because I made a mistake? Or was that, is this required? Well, it must have been required. It felt like there were rooms definitely set up for the chase. Like you can just mm -hmm. barely get to the exit first if you stun your enemies in the right times and places. So I enjoyed it. Yeah, I, I have to admit, I, I have mixed feelings about this because one, there's, there's the sort of in, incoherent messaging that I mentioned before. And I just don't like being chased. Um, oh. I, I uh -oh. found this part incredible. Like, I'm okay. So let me put it this way: I'm not saying that this was a bad sequence. I'm not saying it's a bad part of the game. I I think it's um, I think it's a very interesting uh, concept, and I'm uh, I think that it was probably it, it was a well implemented set piece. It is very memorable. But I, would I call it enjoyable? No, I I wouldn't. I didn't enjoy it personally. Well well, let me ask you this. Did you enjoy getting the suit and going back through the areas uh, with how much power you're given as Samus, uh, being able to shred those space pirates? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Those guys had it coming. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, like I said, it's not a bad set piece. I'm not saying that the game is worse for its inclusion. I think it's better for its inclusion, but it's not, it's not what I would call fun. Hmm. So it's, I don't know, it's, it's a weird, weird um, analysis of like, um, are video games supposed to be entertaining? Or what? It, let me put it this way. I'm glad it was a short, like 30 minute hour long, however long it took me uh, sequence. Well, in that case, I am interested to see how you end up liking Metroid Dread with Yeah, so that's the reason why, after playing that and like, I know you said, oh, you know, I went and played Fusion because Metroid, um, they say Metroid Dread was inspired by like how do we take this idea and stretch it across the other game the entire game. And you mean you mean Zero Mission, right? Sorry, Zero Mission Fusion did a lot better because it, it was a lot more sparing in how it did, it and there was like a lot more build up. Um, like to, okay, to give you an idea of Fusion, how effective it was, I had nightmares about being chased, like within the context of the game, not even in real life. Yeah, but within the context of the game, being chased uh, through like wandering just huge corridors um, by SAX, SAX up until college. Oh wow! <laughs> yeah, I probably actually had a similar dream about the uh, what was it called Emmy? Yeah, and it's just like oh boy, it begins again. <laughs> <laughs> well, I I think Fusion was great because it was so sparing. You mm -hmm. just have those few. Uh, run-ins with SAX and they're very impactful so it could go one way or the other with Metroid Dread I think it depends on if it's overdone or not yeah and that's why I'm glad it's going to be reserved to certain areas but that's why I have um, I, I have trepidations about Metroid Dread because um, you know in, in Zero Mission the, the word I would describe um, these sequences is exhausting I, I, hmm. I just found them, it, it, it just kind of wore me out. Like, it, it leads to a really good payoff, and um, it is a very memorable moment. But it is probably, if I replay this game, it is going to be the part where I go, okay, 
it's time to do this now. Huh. Well, since Glenn and I are so split on this issue, listener, I think this is a great opportunity for you to comment on our blog or the YouTube version of this podcast. Just let us know what you thought about the added end sequence. Yeah. But as we mentioned, you do get your power-ups back, and then there's a rest of the game after that. Um, And that's the part that confused me the most, really. Confused you? Yeah. Like, a third of the power-ups are not available to you until this part of the game where you only have one thing left to do, and that's fight the final boss. Uh Uh-huh. So it's it's like, why is a third of the game's content, and, you know, not really in terms of areas, but in terms of power-ups, you know, like missile tanks and stuff, why is a third of the game's uh, pickups gated off towards, like, the last 5%? Hmm. Like, I spent the whole time just going, what? It, who made this decision? This is insane. I think it's better than you just get one more missile pack and go in to fight the last boss. Well, no, I, I would be fine. I'm not even saying it's necessarily a bad thing. It's just really weird. You know, yeah. I'm looking at it, it's just like this was just a strange idea. Because <laughs> I, I, it's one of those things where it's like, okay, I have the last power up. Time to go go fight Ridley or whatever. Uh, or Mecha Ridley, I think, is the final boss in this game. Spoilers. Um, time to go fight the final boss. Uh, and like I think most players would just skip over that without even realizing that that was available to them. Right. So it's just, it, it's, it's a very, very bizarre, um, very lopsided. And, you know, there's still plenty to do before that, but it, it's very, it just, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I have trouble wrapping my head around that. Because there, there is a lot to do after you get, um, get your power suit back. There is. Yep. The the end game is pretty extensive. Well, should we talk about how the game looks and sounds? Yep. Okay. So you've got the moment-to-moment gameplay graphics, which I think are a huge upgrade over NES, of course. Mm-hmm. Of course. And they look good, scaled up in HD. Uh, they still hold up pretty well. That's one thing I love about sprite work is it's pretty timeless. Um, I, I think it depends on the sprite work, but yeah, from uh, games that are uh, games that have a lot of effort put into them, they're, it's pretty timeless. Then you also had the presentation of cutscenes and story sequences presented to you in kind of a comic way. Uh, I thought that was really nice because, of course, you don't get any of that in the original Metroid. So no, you there's... just get a text scroll at the beginning that's like a memo from the Galactic Federation. Yep. So as far as a game to learn more about Samus, this one has a lot more to offer. Mm-hmm. Um, so one thing I did have an issue with with the cutscenes is, is it me or did they feel like they were being played at double speed? Like they go by quickly. Yeah. You know, and like I don't... Metroid Fusion, you know, you have that opening cutscene that's just sort of um, like the title sequence cutscene, I mean, uh, that just sort of takes its time and lets the atmosphere build mm-hmm. um and this one is just like um you know i i feel like i'm watching the beginning of like watching an action figure commercial like one of those lego commercials yeah. lego city that's like just super breakneck speed <laughs> it, it, it's I, like that if, if you gave it uh gave it an upper 
Yeah. Wow. I don't remember registering that mentally, but I'll take your word for it. I don't know. I, sometimes I think I'm, I'm like really sensitive to, to pacing of cutscenes or something like that. Cause I, that's not something I sometimes have issue with a movie is like if the opening act of a movie is just too quick, then right. I kind of feel like I'm, I'm spending the rest of the movie reeling. Gotcha. Yeah. I, I had that with, um, an example of a movie that did that is, and it's a good movie. I like it, but uh, Madagascar two, like oh. very very fast paced intro. It's like, yeah, let's just get to, get them to Africa as soon as possible. <laughs> well, mainland Africa, I should say. You get a similar feeling when I blow through segments on the podcast. Yeah, sort of. All right, so let's talk about the music. Uh, just kidding. Was... Yeah. Well, another thing I, I wanted to note about uh, the visual style is, is it me or did they? There are a ton of like visual effects on Samus. Like she flashes colors whenever you fire a laser, or um, there's every time you jump, there's an after image. Right, and then I think that's another reason that you or I or gamers in general may not have used her charge beam as much, just because mm -hmm. it's kind of an overwhelming effect with the charging sound and flashing lights doing that. So it's not as uh, comfortable as holding a charge in Mega Man, for example. Mm -hmm. Well, and the other thing is like, especially on the jump, it just, it feels indulgent to like have the after images whenever Samus um, jumps. It's yeah. like, okay, if you were doing that after you get power up to symbolize the fact that, oh, she's more powerful now, or jumps have more force behind them or something, you know, I could understand that. But just at the start of the game, it's like, this this feels wholly unnecessary. <laughs> Be nice if you could switch that off. Yeah. Well, and the other thing is, you know, on a system like the Game Boy Advance where you only have so many resources, um, stuff like that can be expensive. Right. So it's like, why are you dedicating resources to that? So do tell me about your thoughts on the music in Zero Mission. Uh, I like the music in Zero Mission. I'm going to assume that you just listen to podcasts the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't. I think I listened to the music of the game and promptly forgot it. Mm. So most of it is based off of the original Metroid soundtrack. Um, it is very Metroid Prime uh, inspired, which I would not say the same for Metroid Fusion. Like Metroid Fusion is very much trying to be its own thing. Mm -hmm. This is very much inspired by Metroid Prime, which I find interesting because it's, it's the Japanese team taking cues from, uh, from an American production. Right. I, I found that very it, very strange just because that's not how Nintendo typically operates but yeah, the music is good I like it I think that the arra arrangements are a massive improvement over the original NES version like I thought the Norfair theme actually the Norfair theme in the original Metroid makes me want to like just go to sleep it's boring <laughs> well quick thought on the the Metroid Prime thing I think this game was probably in development when Prime reviews came out to rave reviews, especially about the music. I mean, Prime was praised for its gameplay as well, but that's not something you can necessarily emulate in the, in the 2D uh, gameplay version. But the music, you can definitely kind of drag and drop that into this. Um, I, I would say my biggest gripe, and this is a minor thing, my biggest gripe with the music is that the Escape Sequence song... Um, okay, so a little history. 
The American version of Metroid, the escape sequence music actually has an extra... I'm not musically inclined, so I don't know the term for this, but um, an extra section that, you know, so it sounds really tense at the beginning, and then the American one has this um, third movement, or whatever you call it, that is um, sounds a lot more optimistic and sort of like, okay, you know, you're, you're in danger, but hey, you did it. You're, uh, all you have to do is, is make your escape now and you're, you're home free. Mm-hmm. And they, they didn't include that in this version. They just went with the, the original um, shorter Japanese version. And, you know, there are two escape sequences in this game. And I really wish that at least for the second one, they, they didn't include, as what most people call it, the, the heroic bit of that song. Because mm-hmm. it's like, well, you know, after you beat the final boss and you're trying to make your escape and just get to the, the space pirate like speeder or whatever vessel it is at the end of the game uh, and escape the ship before because uh, you know you're infiltrating the space pirate mothership or whatever and you have to uh, you have to escape because the self-destruct sequence um, has been activated I, I, I think that that would have been a good place to include that just as a little nod to both versions of the song yeah so how do you feel like the audio came together for the um, package as a whole as a whole, I think the mixing in this game is kind of atrocious. <laughs> oh, really? The music is loud. Like, I, and I'm someone who I kind of like to turn the music down a little bit so I can actually hear the sound effects. But um, the sound and the music feel like they're they're kind of fighting for your attention. And I'm guessing there are not sliders. No, at this I don't. Point. I can't think of any Game Boy Advance game that had mixing options. It probably would have been too technically. Um, like I'm sure you could have done it on the uh, the Game Boy Advance, but it probably would have been those th- one of those things that just wasn't worth it. So you typically didn't have options like that on the Game Boy Advance. Yeah, I think I mean Nintendo's not known for giving us many settings in general, but thankfully that does seem to be something they've implemented yeah, more well, recently. They didn't implement that in Super Mario Odyssey. Come to think of it, I remember the mixing in Odyssey felt off. And that was an instance where I felt like the music should have been louder. <laughs> mm, wow. So yeah. it's it's one of those things where it's like Nintendo, just let me just just let me kind of fine tune it so that I can have the best experience for me. Right. Okay. Speaking of the best experience for you, let's talk about Zero Mission as a whole with our impressions of it compared to yeah, Metroid for Air, NES and other games in the series. I got to say, I think this is at least twice as good as the original Metroid. I, I think you're that's far too conservative of a number, Scott. I think it's a <laughs> lot better than the original. Like, you know, they, a lot of those old NES games are just really hard to go back to. Like the original Legend of Zelda, um, I'm, this might get me um, skewered by, by some of our fans, but I don't think the original Legend of Zelda is worth going back to unless you're a hardcore Zelda fan or like someone who likes to have the historical context for these games. And if that's what, you know, what you're like and you want to um to experience gaming history, then yeah, go ahead and play the original Metroid. Um it, it's yeah. it's worth your time for, as sort of a um you know if if it's just sort of a um connoisseur kind of thing, but um if you're just a, like looking for a good time, you're looking to to play something you'll enjoy, Zero Missions where is definitely how you should start off the Metroid series. Yes, I love it for preservation point of view that there's actually a game available on an HD console 
that kind of preserves this first entry in the Metroid series in a way with better graphics, better music, better controls, better gameplay, more content, and uh, I'll have it for forever, presumably, as long as my Wii U keeps turning on. Yep. And when you beat the uh, beat the campaign, you know the beat the game one time, you can uh, it unlocks the original NES Metroid. Uh, so remember when Nintendo used to do that? They would just package old games with more recent games. Yeah, do you remember there was Xevious in a Star Fox game? Yeah, Star Fox Assault had mm-hmm. it. Unlockable. You unlock that. I never did, <laughs> unfortunately, but you could. Animal Crossing had a whole virtual console in it, basically. Yeah. Man, those were the times. Yeah. Now, I will say that if you want to play the original NES Metroid, I would not recommend the version that comes. Don't buy this game just to get that Um, because it it felt even more sluggish than I was used to. Huh. Um, So I don't think the the Game Boy Advance is quite able to emulate it or the emulator that they made for it or whatever wasn't quite quite up to snuff, but... You know, if you if you want to get this game and you that that's a bonus. I wonder if that's the same case for the Metroid NES cartridge that came out on Game Boy Advance. Yeah, I it, 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 I, I would be curious to see if that that was the case. Not enough okay, to hunt so, one down, but so obviously, as far as Metroid One goes, this is the winner. How would you stack it up against the other two D games? That's a hard one. Like I think in terms of controls, um, one of the things I noticed is that the controls are a lot snappier than something like Super. Super is kind of floaty and weird. Um, And it has a much more traditional structure than Fusion. So it is like if you liked the way Fusion controlled, but you preferred sort of the setting and aesthetic and kind of the gameplay style of super this is going to be the game for you i'd have to replay super to see if this if this displaces it but i don't know i i wouldn't say it's my favorite but i would say it's it's really good it, it's definitely up there as as one of the best 2d metroid experiences out there yeah it puts it very up high close with super metroid and metroid fusion to the point where it makes it difficult to rank and i think that's a plenty big compliment on its own i think the boss content is a little light though to be honest i feel like the other games have a few more big encounters and this one it feels like i mean they even kind of telegraph it with Craid and ridley statues that you have to activate in order to move on and it really reminds you oh there's only two main bosses before the final one Mm-hmm. Yeah, if, if bosses are your thing, then fu- I think fusion is um, probably your best bet because fusion had tons of bosses. Uh, Super, I don't think had a ton, of, like tons and tons of bosses. Like I think it had more than zero mission, but not by a whole lot. Right. Um, and you know, it depends what you're looking for. Like we talked about with the ending sequence can be a little divisive. So you Mm -hmm. have to weigh, do I want bosses? Do I want that uh, kind of stealth dread feeling and make a decision from there? Probably the best way to go would just be play them all. Why not? Yep. 
Uh, you know. Honestly, I, I would say you can't go wrong with just playing through the entire series, especially since we now have remakes of the first two. Um, you know, despite me getting on uh, the AM2R bandwagon, Samus Returns is a, is an excellent excellent remake or reimagining, if you will. And my my only my only real gripe with uh, it is that missile tanks don't give you five missiles; they give you like two, and so you have like two hundred seventy one <laughs> at the end. Some weird, crazy number that makes no sense. <laughs> I can Photoshop a screenshot of that for you if you'd like. Give you a nice even 250 or something. So, any closing thoughts on Zero Mission? Um, I liked it. <laughs> <laughs> Worth $8. Here, do your, uh, your two review kind of considerations that you would with Okay, uh, so with in terms video. of rating, I would say I liked it a lot. Um, especially the early game because man that is just like a dopamine hit at one after another uh, it's very snappy very fast paced massive improvement on the original so yes uh, I liked it a lot it's a great game and if you get on the the Wii U virtual console for eight bucks definitely worth your money cool I know quite a few people plugged in their Wii U's to relive this and it's fun to see that previous generation dusted off a little bit because uh, there's a pretty good offering on the eShop. I was looking around in there seeing what else I should buy before it, before it gets shut down. Uh, really interesting that you can download DS games and everything onto it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have a coworker who he experienced the Zelda DS games for the first time on the Wii U. Oh, there's one puzzle that I'm really curious how it gets done. Probably just by hitting the home button, but there's a genius... Zelda puzzle where you actually close the DS to stamp something from the top screen onto the bottom screen. Mm-hmm. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. It's great uh, going down Metroid memory lane. And again, just so excited for the new game coming out. Metroid Dread is October 8th. Almost feels like I'm getting a cut for promoting that. But no, really just super excited that uh, the series is back. So it's a good time to be a Metroid fan. You can follow us on social media at Two Button Crew, spell out two, T-W-O. And we have a blog with a lot of great articles that are still relevant to this day. Go to twobuttoncrew.com to read lots of Glenn's and my own writing. And uh, we have one more plug. What, what's that, Glenn? And also, if you have any ideas for an episode or you have an old classic Nintendo game that you would like to hear our thoughts and opinions on, then go ahead and submit ideas for an episode either in the comments to this podcast or video if you're watching it on YouTube, or you can send me an email at glenn at twobuttoncrew.com. Thanks for doing that, everybody. We'd love to hear your ideas and uh, make podcasts based on suggestions from the crew. So. Hope you guys have a great time playing Metroid, whether that's Zero Mission or Dread or whatever that would be. Uh, Enjoy yourself, and we'll talk to you in the next episode. Bye, everybody. Bye.